Welcome to Season 9 of American Political History, Wars Within Wars, New York's Governor. Captain Schuler, who commanded his own militia of 85 men, was unaware that the main expedition had returned to Albany. Traveling at night, his militia paddled across Lake Champlain, down the Richelieu River, and attacked the settlement of La Prairie, six miles outside of Montreal. They killed six, took 19 prisoners, killed 50 heads of cattle, and burned 16 houses before retreating. Imagine the success if the main continental expedition had succeeded in placing itself on a battlefield. Massachusetts General Assembly had declined sending their own men to the continental expedition because they were planning independently to send their militiamen on an expedition to attack Quebec. Massachusetts managed to raise a force of 2,000 men with 34 ships, under the command once more of Sir William Phipps, with the command of the army given to Major John Wally, a former Massachusetts Bay Assemblyman. This expedition set sail for Quebec on August 21st. Unfortunately, they didn't bring a navigator who had ever sailed to the St. Lawrence River. It took the expedition eight weeks to arrive at the mouth of the St. Lawrence. To give you some context, a reasonable ship at that time could have sailed from Boston to London and back within eight weeks. Once outside of Quebec, Sir Phipps demanded that Governor Frontenac surrender. The six-week delay had allowed Governor Frontenac plenty of time to redeploy his troops in Canada, setting up his defenses around Quebec, especially since the Continental Expedition had evaporated before even attacking. Quebec had 3,000 militia in place to defend her. Sir Phipps ordered the landing of 1,200 militia east of Quebec, and for some reason, he assumed that there would be little French resistance. The landing party was immediately counterattacked. The larger Massachusetts force eventually overpowered the French, taking the beachhead. But to do so, they had used most of their gunpowder, and had only been supplied with two days of provisions. The expectation had been an easy landing. Major Wally sent word of the landing party's conditions to Sir Phipps, who sent half a barrel of gunpowder, a laughably small amount for a force of 1,200 men. Then, without coordination with their landing party, the ships began to bombard Quebec. They would do little damage to the fortified town, stopping once the French had severely damaged two of the Massachusetts ships. The next day, Sir Phipps would then give the order for the landing party to assault Quebec, which, without the support of the ship's cannons, was easily rebuffed. On the third day, smallpox broke out amongst the ships. On the fourth day, Sir Phipps sent a message to Governor Frontenac to exchange prisoners. Once that had been conducted, the expedition sailed home to Boston. In hindsight, Massachusetts' lack of military experience and training was obvious. Governor Frontenac had made a strategic error by pulling 3,000 men into Quebec. The settlement of Quebec could not have possibly supported that amount of people, and it was highly unlikely they had stockpiled enough supplies for a siege meaning a basic siege of the settlement would have forced Governor Frontenac to surrender and the loss of Quebec, which would have meant the capture of Canada for the English. Instead, Massachusetts' expedition had simply ran headlong into Quebec's defenses before expending themselves and retreating to Boston. Luckily for Sir Phipps, Massachusetts' view of the situation was that the expedition's failure was a sign from God that they had not been favored to win, so he was given a pass for his abject military failures. In January of 1691, Major General Richard Inglesby arrived in New York with two companies of regulars. He informed John Lester, 
that the king's choice for governorship of New York would be arriving soon. When Governor Lester heard the news, he simply continued to act as if he was the rightful governor of New York, as if he was personally waiting for the king himself to give him his word. He even refused to hand over control of the militia and New York's neighboring force to Major General Inglesby, going so far as to give the militia orders to fire warning shots at the regulars if they approached the fort without Lester's permission. When Governor Slaughter arrived, he asserted his royal authority, throwing Lester and his lieutenants in prison. Governor Slaughter then convened special courts, which found Governor Lester and his lieutenants guilty of treason and hung them for their crimes. Governor Slaughter's next action, after dealing with the usurper, was to address the rumored dissatisfaction of the Iroquois. The Iroquois viewed the colony's political infighting as weakness. They had no interest in being allied with the weaker of the European powers. Governor Slaughter called for a convention of Iroquois sachems in Albany in May of 1691. There he presented gifts from the new monarchs of England in an attempt to reassure the Iroquois that the strong and protectful arm of the English father did not overlook your struggles. The Iroquois expected the French and their Algonquian allies to make retributive attacks in response to Massachusetts' attack on Quebec, and they expected those attacks to target the Iroquois. They demanded that if the Allies were strong and faithful, they would fully support them and fend off the French. As a show of strength and fraternity, Governor Slaughter announced that he had appointed Peter Schuler to be captain of a new expedition of 120 New York militia and 50 Iroquois warriors to attack, once again, La Prairie, just outside Montreal. In June 1691, the expedition set off across Lake Champlain, arriving at La Prairie on August 1st. The weather was a heavy rainstorm. The French had decided to call in all their lookouts and began a night of drinking. By this happenstance, the colonial expedition managed to surprise the French garrison, even though the garrison of 400 had advanced warning of the colonial expedition's intentions to attack. When the expedition realized they were attacking a garrison much larger than expected, they retreated. To their astonishment, the French garrison did not immediately pursue them. They soon found out that that was because there was a second French force of 400 camped nearby in anticipation of their attack. The French had set up a trap for this expedition. But Captain Schuler was unaware of the size of the second French force. He mistakenly assumed that it was only there by happenstance, or likely a small raiding party returning home, so he ordered an immediate direct assault. The larger French force was surprised by this aggression, and the English expedition managed to break through their lines and escape the trap. A colonial expedition of 250 managed to attack two French forces of 400 without taking severe casualties and without falling into a two-sided kill zone. Sometimes it's better to be lucky than good. On July 23, 1691, Governor Slaughter unexpectedly and suddenly died. Major Inglesby would be the acting governor until the king made a new appointment. Major Inglesby was a career military officer. He lacked the political savvy to maintain control of New York's rancorous politics, Without a political leader, New York's war effort stalled. The feeling of New York's assembly was the expedition had mollified the Iroquois. Canada was on its heels. It was time to get back to the business of business. That was not the sentiment in Massachusetts. Benjamin Church, a veteran of the King Philip's War, raised a personal militia of 300 men from Plymouth in Massachusetts. The expedition sailed up to the Cassio Bay, present-day Brunswick, Maine, where they would begin raiding missions of the Abenaki villages in the region. The expedition was not supplied to handle or support captives, so they simply slaughtered any women and children that surrendered to them. After a season of raiding, 
With the winter closing in, Church left a hundred of his men to garrison the fort at Wells, Maine. In November of 1691, the Abenaki approached the frontier fort and asked for peace talks with New England. That winter, peace talks were conducted at the nearby settlement of York. As a show of good faith, the Abenaki returned ten English captives and promised to return any remaining prisoners by the next May. Two months later, in February of 1692, the Abenaki would break the terms of the peace by attacking the settlement of York with 300 warriors led by French officers. They killed 48, captured 70, and killed all the cattle and burned the settlement. On June 10th, a force of 400 Abenaki warriors descended on Fort Wells. The fort was five fortified homes garrisoned by 29 militiamen. The Abenaki, in typical native siege tactics, began to publicly and slowly torture to death their captives from York in sight and earshot of the sieged men. After a few days of these horrific sights and sounds, the garrison clearly was not going to be intimidated into surrendering, so the Abenaki decided to retreat before colonial reinforcements could arrive. Massachusetts did send an expedition under the command of Major Elijah Hutchinson, grandson of Ian Hutchinson, but the expedition was unable to track down the Abenaki. Thank you for listening to this episode of American Political History. If you want to support the show, please subscribe and leave a five-star rating and share the show with someone you think would enjoy listening. Thank you again, and until next time.